Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Dan Bradford, and thank you for tuning in. Dan Bradford Show, where we talk about all things covenant, whether it be covenant creation, whether it be covenant eschatology. We try to tie everything from the old covenant fulfillment, old covenant, and the fulfillment of that into the new covenant, which is Christ. I hope everybody had a wonderful Christmas. And I hope everyone has one of the new year. I hope Santa Claus bought everybody what they wish for. My house, there's no Santa Claus, there's Sam Claus. I bring the gifts, and I want the credit. So, that's the way it is in my house. All right, I'd like to share something real quick. I was watching something on TV yesterday as I was almost going into my food coma. I ate way too much food. All right, sorry about that. I got disconnected. I guess I'm on the greatest service. Don't know if anyone can hear me, but I'm just going to continue on anyway. Okay, like I was uh, trying to say, so I got interrupted. Uh, I saw a program yesterday, and uh, just as I was about ready to go into my food coma, which is what I usually like to do on the holidays, food coma myself, get so full that I pass out. Nothing better than that. Uh, I have direct TV, and with that package comes a array of what I like to call, and I'll say loosely, Christian channels. And there was this one pastor, and he was talking about Ezekiel's dry bones. And the name of the title of the show was The Most Prominent End Time Signs. And this pastor was referring to the dry book. Now, I've always grown up believing, or what it, what people preach was the dry bones was an actual, a physical resurrection at the rapture. I, always, I was always taught that that was the rapture passage. I know what it is now. It's dead Israel becoming alive in Christ. But this preacher, I never heard this spin on it before, but he was, he put it that Ezekiel was physically transformed into the Holocaust era, and the dry bones that he was standing on was literally the dead bones of all the Jews in the Holocaust. Never heard that before. And this was one of those loud preachers who had the music in the background and hyped up the whole crowd pretty funny, you know, see that crowd yelling and screaming and hollering and he was yelling the verse really loud. So he had, God had put Ezekiel in that valley of dry bones and it was, he, he was, <laughs> he put it, I have to say he was quite ingenious of how, of how he put it together in his own way. And you know how the Nazis, they dug out huge graves and then they put all the bones in there. That was the valley of dry bones. That was his interpretation of it. And Ezekiel was standing in those dry bones. And the dry bones coming back to life was national Israel going back into the land. Plus, you went a little south, way south, and how we connected that dot. But uh, I got to give him credit on that one. That was actually pretty good. I got a lot of amusement out of it. Didn't watch a whole program. I think at that point I had slipped into my food coma, and I just woke up a couple hours ago. My voice is a little scratchy, too, from yelling and screaming at kids. Almost the whole day yesterday. 
Okay. Let's get back to where we left off last week. Not to excuse me, my notes are a little sporadic because of the holiday and shopping, all kinds of to-do list stuff. I only organize half. That might be a good thing, though. We'll throw the dice. We'll see what we get. Hopefully, we don't get snake eyes. I mean, crap. Snake eyes is what we want. Snake eyes is good. Okay, so we're coming from the perspective of Paul speaking about Israel being under the law, and then the fulfillment of that law. Um, Adam sets the stage for everyone. I like to bring things back to Adam. Genesis chapter 3, 2, or 1, as much as I possibly can. Adam was the first man to sin against God's law. Remember, Paul says in Romans chapter 5 that he was sinning before the law. Well, there's a law when sin can't be imputed. So at one point in time in history, I'd love to know why. If anybody has any ideas, I'd love to hear them. Text them to me. Area code 631-402-7515. Here are your thoughts. So, God added the law so that the offense might be known. Well, Adam and Eve had the law, and let me tell you, their offense was certainly known. Their nakedness was exposed. They were aware of their nakedness. They hid themselves. And then they tried to cover themselves up fig leaves, their own righteousness. Their own righteousness was not enough. God obviously sacrificed an animal. And there began the old covenant sacrificial system. Okay. You were last week. I read us probably from six, seven, some of eight. And there was a couple of these terms and words here. I thought we should dive a little bit into it. Just find it here. We've got grace is one, justification is one, precipitation or expiation, however one wants to define it, say it, is another. Justification. Okay, I'm going to read a little bit from, from, from uh, Romans chapter 5 here, a couple verses. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom also we have access by faith into his grace in which we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. All right. Paul says that the believers are justified by faith. Well, what is justify or justification? What does that mean? It is a, um, I guess, a law term. After the case is over, either the defendant or, yeah, the the defendant, after he has been found innocent, he's been justified. So now let's take that back to Israel. Israel has been found guilty of their sin by the law. Now that Christ died to appease the just wrath of God, precipitation or precipitation, The sacrifice that God made, we are made. They are made justified through that sacrifice, and it is that by that justification that they have faith 
their sin is taken away. And because that sacrifice that Christ made has justified, has has appeased God, appeased his wrath. That word precipitation or precipitation is a pagan term. The pagans sacrifice to appease the wrath of their God. Well, God had required his people in order to have relationship with him, that they are to require, that he is to have an animal sacrifice as well to appease his wrath on them. Without no sacrifice, God could have been easily justified in killing them all, maybe starting anew. But in the case of Christ, Israel doing sacrifices once a year, every year, God did. God made the propitiation, the sacrifice of Christ, to appease his wrath. And it is through that that the believer, Israel, is justified. And they are made righteous through that justification. Now, what does righteous mean? Righteous is our standing before God. Before, under the old covenant, there is no righteousness. Because the blood of bulls and goats cannot take it, cannot perfect the worshiper. You get that from Hebrews. It is in, and I wrote it down here in verse somewhere. This is what I get from here prepared. It's in here somewhere. I just didn't write it down in a neat and orderly fashion. Oh, yeah. No. Okay. So, because the blood of golden goats cannot perfect the worshiper, so God sent down his only son to be the propitiation for their sins. Now, they are waiting for us. Second Peter 3 says, waiting for the new heavens and new earth where righteousness dwell. Okay. Now, Jesus, as we know, is the fulfillment of the law. And by the law, I'm going to say um, circumcision, uh, the purification laws, animal sacrifices laws. That was the the main crux of what the Jews called their law, Torah. They had to follow those. So, let me read you something here. Okay, Romans 2, verse 25. And a little bit of following. For, for circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law. But if you are a lawbreaker, your circumcision has become uncircumcision. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteousness requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? And will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you, even with your written code and circumcision, 
are a transgressor of the law. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, and the spirit, not of the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. What is Paul talking about here? If Christ fulfills the law, and the Gentile Christian does not have the law, because he's under the law, but he fulfills the law, well, how does, an un, how does a Gentile who doesn't have the law fulfill the law? By believing in Christ. By believing that Jesus came. Because Jesus is a fulfillment of the law. So by an uncircumcised Gentile, he fulfills the law by accepting Christ. And that for that be... Now, how also does a Gentile in the same respect, become circumcised by not being literally circumcised. By fulfilling the law which is in Christ, and it is through Christ that he becomes circumcised of the heart, and therefore he fulfills the law. Give me just one second here. So, now we get into chapter 3. Paul says, what advantage has the Jew, or what is the profit of circumcision? If an uncircumcised Gentile fulfills the law through Christ, then what's the point of being a Jew and being physically circumcised and following the law? If If a Gentile can fulfill the law and follow the law by accepting Christ, What's the point of being an, an ethnic Jew? What's the point of being a nation, a Jewish nation, from that standpoint? What advantage then has the Jew, or what is the profit of circumcision? Because if a Gentile accepts Christ, he fulfills the law, and in turn gets, gets circumcised by the heart, what's the point of physical circumcision? Well, much in every way, chiefly, because to the Jewish people... As a nation, they were committed to the oracles of God. Now, what if some of those Jews did not believe? And we know, we read books just through the book of Judges and all the Old Testament passages, a lot of them didn't believe. They sought after other gods. They would take a piece of wood. They would chop it in half. They would form a god out of one side of that log. And then at the other side of that log, they would make a fire to sacrifice to that other half a piece of wood, and they would say, hey, half piece of wood, save me. Didn't make any sense. Much in every way, chiefly, because then we're committed to the oracles of God. But what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Of course not. Because God always has a remnant. For if the truth of God, um, but if, okay, certainly not, let God be true and every man be a liar, that you may be justified in your word, that you may be, that you may overcome when you are judged. But if Israel's unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unjust who inflicts wrath? Paul says it's certainly not. 
how then will God judge the world or that old covenant age? For if the truth of God has increased through Paul's lie, then why is Paul still judged as a sinner? And why not say, let us do evil that good may come, as we are slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say, their condemnation is just. Now Paul says, verse 9, what then? Are they, are we better than they? Not at all. But we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. Paul gets to that in chapter 5. Therefore, just as through one man, uh, chapter 5, verse 12, therefore, just as through one man, sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all, all had sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who was a type of him who was about to come. All men, eighty seventy, all the way back down Adam, didn't even go pre-Adam. Because of Adam's sin, that death, that relationship death, spread to all men. Even though those who didn't sin in the same likeness that Adam sinned, doesn't matter. Sin was in the world. Now, in relationship with man, whether God's covenant people or whether those outside the covenant people, they're all dead. They cannot have the relationship that Adam had with God because of sin. Doesn't matter if you're Jew, doesn't matter if you're a Greek. Everybody's dead. But Israel had the law. They did not follow the law as we see that in the Old Okay. Let's pop over. Let's go to 1, verse 18 through 21. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteous men, and unrighteous men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them, for since the creation of the world is invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they, Old Covenant Israel, are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, and that was just in Ezekiel, where some of the Jews chopped the Chopped off that, chopped that log in half, made an image of some image of a god in, in, on the one half, and then chopped it up with wood so they could sacrifice to that same god. Because though they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and the foolish hearts were darkened. We're typically taught, at least I was, growing up. Paul is talking about man in general. The question has always been asked, especially for those who are a big believer in eternal torment. Well, what if someone never heard of Jesus Christ? How is it fair that they go to hell? They haven't heard. Many a times, many people pointed back to this passage right here, 18, 19, 20, 21. doesn't matter because 
they see the trees and they see the grass and the seas and the lands and they see all oh, that God made. It's because of what they see that that should point them to a creator, which generally it should. But they use this passage to point that out that says man is without excuse because God made trees and animals. But Paul is not talking about human, all mankind in a general global sense. He's talking about Israel's famous passage. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because what may be known of God is manifest in them. Talking about old Israel and having the law and the covenant. And just what Paul says here. What advantage has the Jew or what is the profit of circumcision? Much in every way, chiefly, because to them they was committed the oracles of God. That was manifest in them. They had the prophets. They had Moses. They had all these writings. They had the miracles, especially the ones in the desert for 40 years. You know, they had the fire by night and a pillow of clouds by day, yet they still made a golden calf. I would have loved to have been there just to see how all that played out. Really? You see the mountain, the clouds, and the thunder, and the lightning? And just because Moses was gone a little bit longer than what you would, what you think he sh- should have been, you make your own God. Would love to have seen that in action. Which well, is the creation of the world, and that brings me right back to Genesis chapter 1. The entire chapter. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That brings me right back there. Genesis 1. Or since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes were clearly seen. They all seen them and they all knew. Being understood by the things that were made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Israel, Israel doesn't have an excuse. It's impossible. They had the law. And to fulfill the law, the law was supposed to lead them to Christ. But instead, who fulfilled the law? Gentiles. Gentiles fulfilled the law, and because of that fulfillment, they became uncircumcised in heart. They are spared wrath. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, no well thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and the fuel of hearts were darkened. Pressing to be wise, they became cool and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creepy things. Another discussion for another day. Therefore God gave them up to their uncleanliness and the love of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves to exchange the truth of God for the lie and worship and serve the creature which is that piece of wood that that guy cut in half made a God out of it and said, Peace of wood and please save me. Creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So Israel is without an excuse. Paul says they had the oracles of God. They had Moses. They had Torah. And all that was supposed to lead them directly to Christ. John the Baptist was to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the law. Verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law. But every mouth may be stopped, and then all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law, the knowledge of sin. Brings back to Adam again. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is being revealed, being witnessed 
by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, and all, to all and on all who believe, there's a difference. All have sinned, fell short of the glory of God. And being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Israel needs to be redeemed. We have this the theme in the New Testament is the second exodus, which brings us back to the Old Testament, which was the first exodus. God redeemed Israel from the bondage of slavery. We redeem is a slavery term. When a slavery uh when a, a slave was either set free or he was bought, he was redeemed. God redeemed true Israel, those who accepted Christ, redeemed them from that body of sin. Therefore they are now no longer slaves of sin. They are both the price. What is that price? Blood of Christ. 327. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By by what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. Now the works, things that you do, do good deeds versus bad deeds, pick up the trash, clean your room. The works of the law were circumcision, the purification laws, and all the things that he had to do, animal sacrifice. Old Covenant Israel thought that doing those works, that they were going to be made righteous. That's not how it works. By Of works, no, by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith, apart from deeds of the law, circumcision, purification laws, animal sacrifice. Christ is the fulfillment of those. That, uh, that man is justified by faith, apart from the law. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Well, is he the God of the Jews only? If he's the God of the Jews only, then what other God, then what God's, then who's the God of the Gentiles? We know there's only one God. The Jew in, the Jew in the audience would have to say yes, because there's only one God. No other God but one. So by that virtue, he has to be the God of the Gentiles, as well. Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the the uncircumcised through faith. Well, there is faith in the Old Covenant. It was Abraham's faith was also accounted to him for righteousness. And we can go to Hebrews 11. The great faith passages. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place. Uh, by faith, Sarah herself also received to conceive a seed, and she bore a child. Uh, by faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him away. Because without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Hebrews 11, 4 through 12. So, Israel already had faith. They needed faith. The Gentiles didn't have faith. So, since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith, and the other circumcised 
through faith, uncircumcised, come in to Israel's salvation. By accepting Christ, they fulfill the law, they keep the law, and they are uncircumcised. They, got, they become circumcised of the heart. Do we then make the, the do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. How do they establish the law? Once again, they accept Christ, who is the fulfillment of the law, and that's how they fulfill the law by accepting Christ. I'm going to pop around here. Okay. All right. Can't find it, but we can continue this topic and theme next week about Gentiles fulfilling the law through Christ, therefore becoming uncircumcised in heart. All right, I hope everyone has a happy new year. Uh, tune in next Friday, 12 p.m. Eastern time zone. And we will continue this theme. Hope everyone has a good weekend. And uh, maybe Sam Claus will see you again. Thank you for tuning in to the Sam Bradford Show, Covenant Relationship, brought to you by Bible Beacon Radio. Everybody, have a nice weekend. God bless.